Welcome to the sixth installment of the Injury Report. Today is May 20th of the year 2022. I'm your host, Joe Brenner. And I'm recording in Port Clinton this weekend because my little sister is graduating from high school, leaving my parents empty nesters here pretty soon. So I think they're looking forward to that. A lot has happened since the last episode. Both of the, all four of the Second round NBA series finished up with the Golden State Warriors winning in six after that game five blowout in Memphis that we talked about. The Dallas Mavericks came back and destroyed the Phoenix Suns in seven in Phoenix, further damaging Chris Paul's career and legacy. The Boston Celtics came back after being down 3-2 and one and seven in Milwaukee. And, you know, that could have been just due to Middleton being gone the whole series. I think that would have made a huge difference, especially because of the number of open threes that Boston was able to hit during that game. And then the Miami Heat won in six games, taking care of Philadelphia, but we already talked about that. Since then, Miami beat Boston, who... We'll start with our injuries. Kyle Lowry was out. He's still out with that hamstring. This is kind of why they brought him in. They got Victor Oladipo first, but then he got hurt. So they got Kyle Lowry to kind of be this postseason point guard. And he just has not been around in the postseason. So hopefully he'll be back soon for the rest of the series. They won game one from a great game led by a great game from Jimmy Butler with 40 points fun fact about him he has zero 40 point games for the heat in the regular season and five in the playoffs so that just tells you what kind of guy Jimmy is and even after last night's 25 point blowout which you know they're down 25 in the first half so they rallied in the second half playing even but doesn't matter at that point Jimmy still had 30 so That's just the kind of guy he is. Doesn't ever take his foot off the pedal. He's a great leader. And I'm not scared yet. That was the first time the Heat have lost at home this playoffs. But we're going to go to Boston. We're going to see what's going to happen. And as for the Celtics, they were out with... They had two of their uh, five starters out on... For game one with Marcus Smart was out with a midfoot sprain. So this is going to be the same thing that we saw with Derek Stingley, the LSU safety. He had that Liz Frank strain. Now he had a fracture in there, but there's just so many little bones and joints. So you have your navicula, navicular, um, and that's the bone that, that's the tarsal on the inside that kind of connects the heel bone to the tarsals which are inside the foot toe kind of things and then we have the cuneiforms which are lateral to that and then and then there's also so many little ligaments in there if I were to guess what's going on with Marcus Smart right now I'd say it's one of those maybe that first tarso metatarsal sprain again that's with that the arch of the foot right there that's going to be an issue with any weird twisting or jumping 
you could land wrong, you get your foot flexed the wrong way, that could be an issue. And then there's also the navicular cuneiform, which again is a little bit back, closer to the heel and ankle a little bit. Either way, that's usually a four to six week total recovery, but they can probably tape it up, brace it up pretty well. And he did play in game two and played very well in game two. I believe he recorded a triple-double pretty early into the game. And Al Horford was out with COVID, which, you know, would be a bummer if the series was decided because he had COVID and passed it around the team a little bit, making the Boston Celtics be at half talent. But, you know, if it means the Heat move on, I'm okay with it. So that is a wrap-up of the East. It's tied 1-1 going to Boston after a blowout of game two. So I'm not feeling great about it, but see what happens. And then in the West, John Morant was not able to stay healthy and the Golden State Warriors won that series in six and they're playing the Dallas Mavericks who they beat pretty handedly in game one. There aren't any real injuries to talk about in that series. Um, there were reports that Luka Doncic was seen drinking before game one, having a beer in San Francisco, and he played like he was a little, well, he, he had his lowest performance, I believe, of this playoffs and maybe any playoffs. He only had 20. Uh, he's usually around a 30, 40 point guy in the playoffs, especially with the lack of real talent around him. So he didn't play very well. They also, you know, the Warriors are able to throw a lot of guys at him with Andrew Wiggins leading the way. He's a big, long athlete and seemed to do the trick in game one. They blow him out pretty good. Uh, The only real injury is still Gary Payton's going to be out. And with that fully outstretched hand injury, which again, we're guessing is radial head fracture, and he's not going to be in the rest of this series. But, you know, if... Golden State takes care of business pretty quickly in this series. You know, that could be a four or five game series. And Boston is maybe able to make the heat or vice versa, take it a few games longer. Hopefully, if, you know, the heat are struggling, we can at least extend the series. We'll see. But that's just more time for Gary Payton to get back out on the court. And that's really all of the injuries in the. NBA, so we're going to move on to injured and recovered. Injured, Tariq Cohen, which this is a real injury. So you, if you watch the video, which it is a lot to look at, he is doing, he's recovering from an ACL already, which it was a really bad one. He pretty much tore it completely off. Usually in the ACL, they have to repair the whole thing anyway, but it was a significantly bad one. It was a grade three tear. And if we're watching the video that is out on Twitter, it's pretty easy to find just Tariq Cohen injury. Uh, just be careful because he's doing some back pedals, plants with his, I believe it's his left foot. And it just sounds like someone snaps a rubber band or a bunch of rubber bands right next to him. And he goes down pretty quickly. He knows what's going on. He says, oh no, pretty audibly in the video. And that's very clearly an Achilles. 
one of the ways that you can tell that it's just a complete rupture is when he goes down, he's laying there, his foot is still at 90 degrees. It's dorsiflected, which means the top of the foot is pulled up. It's not plantar flexed, which is the bottom pushed down. We're going to mute this. Boom. All right. And he just, he doesn't have the ability to really plantar flex anymore. And that's because of the complete severance of that Achilles tendon. You know, it's a freak thing. And he was just coming back from an ACL injury. So we're sending our prayers and thoughts out to him and hoping that he gets back on this recovered list very soon. And uh, a team who is recovered is the Baltimore Ravens. They had, remember their whole running back room led by J.K. Dobbins go down before the season even started. And then they've had cornerback Marlon Humphrey, quarterback Lamar Jackson, the whole team has kind of went down throughout the season. And now they are all seemingly back getting ready to have a good year. And they're tied for best division odds with the Bengals, who really took advantage of the Ravens being so beat up, the Steelers with Big Ben being at his end, and the dysfunction of the ever-dysfunctional Cleveland Browns. So I really like Baltimore's chances to win the AFC North this year. And if you can find better odds, I would jump on them now because I think they're only going to get better. I don't know if the I, I would say that the Bengals, you know, took advantage of injuries around the league and they were playing very well, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to maintain what they did last year. Another injury is the SEC took some shots with Nick Saban saying Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M was cheating by buying his players, saying he didn't do any. And Jimbo, a former assistant of Nick Saban, pointed out that, you know, he has some skeletons in his closet potentially. Usually the SEC is on top of things like this. But, you know, it's also fun to see them go at each other. Nick Saban, it just goes to show why he's the greatest. He can't take anything, you know, even falling number two in recruiting for a year sends him up a wall. Uh, he did not really read the room though he should have you know it sounded like he was kind of asking for money from his boosters but the way he came off did not sound very player friendly and that's going to be to his detriment recovered is the pac-12 who are openly paying for players and as long as it's legal who cares the u.s uh usc trojans got the wide receiver Addison from Pitt, they got Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, and they got that coach Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. All those guys are going to make Pac-12. Uh, I think somebody, Brady Quinn, said that they're going to be a, or a uh, playoff or bust team. So I don't think that they're going to be as good as people say. But they also got a couple other receivers and some secondary players as well coming to USC. Why not? It's a great place to live. You're getting paid for it, it sounds like. And for a year, go get it. And Oregon got Bo Nix, the former stud quarterback out of Auburn, who seemed to underwhelm compared to expectations. But 
You know, he's getting into that Pac-12 where they don't really play defense. And they also got Irving, the running back from Minnesota, who he was a stud. So they're reloading as well. Both of those have great facilities. They have great donors. They have great money backing. So, you know, the Pac-12 has been struggling. Maybe they can poach a little bit and get someone back into the playoff because was the last one Washington after Oregon. They only had those two teams. I can't think of anybody else. So they need to get back on top of things and make themselves competitive again. And if this is the way to do it, this is the way to do it. Injured Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. People, you know, nobody knows when, where Deshaun Watson will play next, probably with the Cleveland Browns, but there's no real timetable for his inevitable suspension. He just admitted to some pretty grotesque things on the stand recently that, you know, could have a factor in that. So I don't think that we will see him in September or even October. I wouldn't be surprised if a half season, if not more, you know, if some of the things that the way that the league is gone with some players, I would not be surprised, if, especially, you know, with the contract, they might want to kind of put that down the NFL and chew the Browns because giving that guy type of money to a guy who hasn't played in a couple of years and has all these legal ramifications, they might be extra harsh on him. And then recovered is Big Cat from Pardon My Take in Barstool Sports. He often talks about broken ribs versus bruised ribs and says they're broken or bruised ribs are worse while they're not actually worse up to a certain severity they're about the same so if you just have one or a few bruised ribs and one or a few broken ribs it's pretty much going to be the same recovery you have pretty much six weeks with no real stress in that area and you should be good to go chris sale the starting pitcher for the boston red sox is out with bruised ribs and it could be very well the same treatment that he would undergo if it was broken now the other part of this is if there is some like large breaking and there's more stress on it and it's separated then it could require some surgery for the broken ribs and that's where it could get a little bit worse and the other thing you got to watch out for is because the lungs are right there the way the lungs work is they are they don't actually inflate themselves they are attached to the wall of the thorax right there which is pretty much made up of the ribs and that by a surfactant which is the substance that kind of connects the lungs to that outer wall and when your diaphragm contracts it opens up that rib cage and it pulls air in that way so it's just like it creates space for air to just flow through so it's not really the lungs themselves so if you have injuries to that rib area, um, you can have a deflated lung, um, collapsed lung, and that's just when the lung itself falls off of that thoracic cage. Or you can have a punctured lung, which um, Terod Taylor had that happen to him. Now that was from an injection. They tried to give him a corticosteroid shot and it went into his lungs. But you can have that as well, where you get a lung puncture from a rib that breaks off and pokes through. So there can be complications that make broken ribs worse than bruised ribs. But because of the thinness and the shape of 
ribs, uh, a bruise is not much worse or better than broken ribs a majority of the time. We go back to our injured here. Chris Paul is not leaving the injured list. He left games or he, after game seven, he limped around with a left quad injury. So, you know, that is tough to battle through and it's probably not as easy to keep a straight face and when you get knocked out of a seven game series by a four seed when you're the one seed it is going to make all of those injuries a little bit harder to deal with but he uh, is injured both physically and his legacy so again good player I've personally never been a huge fan and I'd rather see Luca because I have a future on the Mavericks and the Heat so not looking good for either one of those right now you know it would be like me to have the of the final four two of the final four teams and not get either one to the finals so that would figure and then recovered is the New York baseball Mets they are leading the NL, and they're one game back of the Yankees for the whole major leagues at 25 wins. DeGrom, their starting pitcher, despite all these injuries, you know, DeGrom, who's been out for a while, he has a stress reaction of the right scapula. A stress reaction, not a stress fracture. It's actually closer to a a deep bone bruise in the scapulas, that shoulder blade back there, a lot of your rotator rotator cuff muscles start from right there they originate there and they help with shoulder movement one of the things that could cause i have two theories on what could cause that stress reaction there the first is probably less likely and from that internal rotation from the pitching motion that could be part of a subscapularis which kind of covers the entire inner surface of the scapula so it glides against the ribs back there and helps with internal rotation which would be if you stick your arm directly out and then bend your hand um, your elbow kind of straight up so that way it looks like you're giving a high five and then you push your hand down that's going to be that internal rotation right there that's the job partially of that subscapularis so too much strain there could cause some issues or the most common issue with rotator cuff muscles is the supraspinatus which has to go through that joint between the scapula and the humerus and then attach on the humerus your arm and your bone in your arm and when you throw especially at the force and power that these guys are throwing with that something has to kind of slow that arm down, and that's the job of the um, infra and supraspinatus muscles. So spine of your scapula is just that bone. If you can feel in the middle of your scapula, that's the spine of the scapula. Your supraspinatus, infraspinatus are on either side of that, and they they are tasked with the job of kind of slowing that down. So if you whip your arm at the ungodly speed that they do something's got to prevent your arm from just flying right out of the socket and that's what their job is that repetitive use could cause that stress reaction that Degrom is really dealing with and then similarly they have Max Scherzer who's been out for a while 
He has a left oblique, they said, moderate to severe, so I'm assuming that's grade two or three. And again, this is pitching mechanics, throwing mechanics. You throw, your left oblique is going to pull your torso across so you can get that throwing motion going. And it gets a lot more work and strain. I've, myself, as a former quarterback and pitcher, has always had more left-sided strength in my left oblique than my right. And it was actually pretty apparent in the toning of that growing up. Now, grade two is going to be, it's not all the way off. It's still attached a little bit, but there's going to be some tearing in either the muscle itself or the tendons. Grade three is it's completely severed. But I'm not going to say that it's grade three because it sounds like he doesn't need surgery. He's just kind of waiting on that. So it's most likely going to be a grade two strain, which is he's going to be out for about two months as he already has. He's reeling in on that date to be done. I think he was done on April 1st, so we're getting close to seeing him again. And that will wrap things up for the fifth injury report installment, I believe, maybe six. And have a good weekend, and congrats again to all the Portland High School Redskins graduating this weekend.